0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think.
1: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hello and welcome to the Rubber Report Extra podcast. My name is Richard Speight and I'm stepping up and stepping in for Graham who's uh, been recording other podcasts this week. Today we are delighted once again to be joined by Andy Holt, the owner of Accrington Stanley Football Club since 2015. We've got a game upcoming against Accrington away on Saturday and Andy has kindly battled through um, various technical challenges that we've had trying to get this uh, this call set up to join us from, from his factory today. So hi there, Andy.
1: How are you going on, Richard? You OK?
0: I'm not so bad now. We've got everything sorted. Absolutely, yeah. and I'm really looking forward to Akron Stanley on Saturday. I'm actually coming over to to the game myself, bringing my my little lad, my nine year old, and meet my dad there as well, who's coming down from Sunderland. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to visiting your your club and visiting the the town as well.
1: Well, well, we're looking forward to welcoming welcoming you. It's it's fantastic for us to be playing against clubs like. Uh, you know, Bolton and Ipswich and Rotherham and Coventry and some massive clubs in League One. And, and uh, you know, of the massive clubs, you're one of them. You're probably a super club. So it's fantastic to uh invite you down. I, I can't wait for it myself.
0: We, we've we've grown familiar with each other over the last nine months or so. I think this is the, the fifth game, including the abandoned game in, in December, that, that we've had with you. We're certainly uh, learning a, a lot about Akrit and Stanley, and, and from your conversation with with Graham last year, we uh, we covered quite a lot of of, of topics. And um, that was just before the abandoned game in in December. We had a, a deluge when we brought down we brought down over two and a half thousand fans, didn't we? I think Andy was it
1: the, was a deluge and. Uh... You know, the, the problem with uh, weather forecast, I mean, forecast for this weekend is perfect. You know, it's sun, 18, 20 degrees. So, it, so it's looking fabulous for this weekend. And you, you're more likely to need your sun cream than your raincoat.
0: I'll make sure to bring a hat and a pair of sunglasses then.
1: Yeah, well, we'll put, we put a new pitch in this year uh, at a, uh, massive expense and our, our our lads are telling us it's a fantastic pitch so I, I hope your lads enjoy playing on it when they come down in fact you ironically you were first people on it last time you played as you beat us uh, 3-0 I think in the in the, in the cup so so we a new pitch and, and there's a lot more work being done at the place since since you were last down so hopefully it's a bit better it was something last year This I got a lot of stick from Sunderland fans because of this rained off match uh, and and uh, you know I understand that it's annoying. Uh, it, it was it difficult for me. Our pitch was poor, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And it, it, you know what, were underneath the pitch were bad. Uh, and you, you could look at a forecast, and, and even if it said sunshine, uh, an hour of rain before the match and change everything. You know, you, you it, it just couldn't cope with any any downpour. So so we, we, we got more rain before the match than we expected and then obviously as match went on and got to half time it became torrential and uh, we had to call it off and well ref called it off. We followed the rules and I I'll be honest, I thought we were doing well against you on that match. I was sick, it were called off. I'd rather it carry in it rain and uh, get the points. But anyhow, that's life.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it was one one at the time, wasn't it? And then I think when we when we um played the rearranged fixture in in April we, we went out and and, and beat you three 0 with a with a half decent performance as I remember um, so yeah, it was unfortunate for yourselves I think back in December when you when you spoke to Graham, um we were in a really good position in the league and by the time you came to play us in April we weren't looking quite so so good.
1: It's a tough league. a tough league. I mean, we talk about budgets and we talk about one thing or another, but at the end of the day, you've eleven men against eleven men, and and it's a really tough league. You know, there's some great sides in it, of which you're one of them. It kind of for me, the, the bad weather helps us, not you. You know, the bad pitch and the bad weather were helping us, and not and not yourselves. And uh, so so we've we've lost uh, a little bit of a kind of a leveler between two sides because you I mean, you played as a cup and you're some quality. Some absolute quality players you've got there. I mean, we have. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm not... uh, We're not creating, as we say, down here. So so I'm looking forward to the game.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, you had a a decent result on the weekend. It's been the international break weekend. Um, And you were 3-3 away at um, Bristol Rovers. And when I saw the highlights, it looked like even though you went down to 10 men, you were quite nifty going forward.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we've got, I th- I'll be honest, I think we've got uh, approaching our best whatever. ever. You know, I think, I think we. Re- you know, Coleman's done his, uh, our John Coleman's done his best uh, work so far. You know, and uh, a lot of these players have only just come in last week at end at window. We we tend to get people at end at window when everybody else has done the business. Uh, we, we tend to get a couple of loans and people that haven't quite managed to secure deals at other clubs. Uh, we tend to get because we can't pay the same wages or the same or the same transfer fees as as, as anybody else. But uh, you know, we we think we've got a really strong side. You know, we're, we're uh, I'm, I'm delighted. We saw so it on Saturday at Bristol. You know, a couple of errors I thought for, for uh, a couple of their goals, but you know, there was some fantastic football played. So so we you know we're excited. Yeah. Uh, you yeah.
0: you. Might- Sorry, sorry, Andy. You managed to bring in a player. It, it seemed to be slightly after the deadline. Um, a, a loan player.
1: No, no we we recorded it on the deadline, but but the, the paperwork was completed and signed off at EFL because it was a last minute one. It, mm-hmm. it, it actually gets announced day after uh, because it were done on the on the as the clock struck twelve, as it were. Uh, yeah,
0: we often hear about that on deadline day that there are, you know. Deals can be can be um, in train and then and then go through, and it was just interesting to see see that 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 you'd managed to 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 get it in right at the last minute. Do you well, think it could,
1: that... it could have been all night of a job with EFL if uh, you know if they don't have a cut off, You know, just go on forever.
0: Well, absolutely. So you think you had a good window then, because you brought in is it uh, four or five loan players?
1: Yeah, I mean we, we only want four or five loan players. You're only allowed to put four or five, well five in your squad in on your match day squad. So any more than that, and uh, you know they're being left sat outside, and nobody wants to loan players to a club that aren't going to give them an opportunity to play. So it's so if you get seven or eight loan players, which is what we've had in past, and and less signed players uh, uh, for obvious reasons because we could not afford to get the right. Uh, you know, club club could only get what it could afford to get. Uh, you, know, you end up with a lot more lone players, and, and half of them are feeling left out, and uh, they get disillusioned and disheartened. But you know, because they're good players in their own right, it's just that you know there's other players in the place, and, and they end up they end up sitting on sidelines, and uh, the clubs, the, the loaning club gets annoyed, the player gets annoyed, and uh, you know this this change of the loan window that happened three years ago, uh, I don't think it's good for clubs or players because. You know, player that goes goes out on loan to a club can't go back then for six months, even if he gets there and uh, he doesn't fit in or he doesn't like it, or you know somebody else is in front of him. Where whereas in past you could say, look, you know, it didn't work. You you can go back and uh, join him with your own, with your own with, back with your own squad or be loaned to somebody else. So so for a young lad that you're loaning, I think it's better that they, you know, they get some they get to go to another club. Uh, and and the rules now don't let like that.
0: Absolutely, that that is a shame because I mean loans can be a, a real good way of of both be st- boosting and the, boosting um, the the talent available to to Le- League One and League Two clubs and 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 also in giving those those young exciting players from the kind of upper echelons the, the chance to get some good first team football and and actually learn you know more about the game and and how it how it works outside the Premier League.
1: Well, we both had a lone player in the last couple of years. When we won League Two, we had Jimmy Dunn from Burnley and he went up to you for a spell. Uh, you know, before that, he played non-league and it was great for him. It was great for us. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he's at Fleetwood now. So, so, you know, it's a good experience for Jimmy. Great great for us to have his quality and, uh, and he, he's a great lad and, and have him around the place and... Uh, uh, you know, so, so it's kind of doing its job. He got his Republic of Ireland call up while uh, while playing with us uh, because, it, it, you know, we're getting match time and getting seen. There's another side to it. A lot, a lot of lone players from 23 squad, they're fit, but they're not match fit. So so they, they get injured easily. Uh, you know, they tend to, when they get into some of the tougher League One matches against real physical players, Yeah, uh, and I think that's missing in 23s, they, they can get injured. You know they're pulling muscles and uh, and things like that. So so th- there is there is that kind of risk will own players. So so we we don't want too many. We want to have as many as of our own players as we can possibly get. And, and apart from any other reason, you can't sell a loan. You know we need a few bob off uh, player sales. to help carry on uh, developing the ground and the training ground and the rest of it until we catch up with others. So so it. Uh, you know, loans do play a part, but we don't want it to play too big a part, uh, and if we can help it.
0: And that, that's very sensible, and it kind of brings me on to one thing I wanted to to bring up with you, relating to the sustainability of of football and the, and the and the business models that that operate in League One and League Two in particular, um, and the situation that that you've obviously been reasonably vocal about, um, down the road at. at Bury and, and Bolton over the last few weeks and, and months as a, as a chairman um, how, do you, how do you feel about that? I mean some people might not have seen your social media posts about it, what's your take on the way that um, the situation at Bury and Bolton have been dealt with and, and the EFL um, because yeah. I, certainly from my perspective it, it, it does feel a little bit strange that we haven't played Bolton in particular yet um, and other teams have gone out and, and run over their, their their kids. And then there was an employment tribunal saying that um, you know they couldn't necessarily play their kids. It was a welfare issue. So um, what's your take on all that?
1: I mean, there's a couple of things that, I, that I'd say. And uh, this, effect, this is about all clubs and uh, uh, club owners. And, and that is that whatever the rules are in place or however good or bad the EFL are, it doesn't mean that owners have got to be so reckless that they damage the clubs, that they risk the clubs. Now, owners running up massive losses are risking clubs because they are all. Them losses have to be either written off or settled up one day. You know, they they don't go on forever. They can't go on forever. It's not a it's not a magic world that we're in in football. Uh, debts and losses are cash, and somebody has to pay it now. Uh, Mr. Short at your at your place paid paid yours and wrote it off. Eddie Davis at Bolton wrote it off, uh, but they didn't have to run that level of loss. Uh, football encourages clubs to run that level of loss because, uh, well, there's two issues uh, uh, really that that cause it. One is if 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 you go up, you get a lot more cash. So you've got bigger crowds, you've got more sellout crowds, you've got better games. Uh, you get higher TV money uh, on the way up. But, and on the way, if you go down, you lose crowds, you lose income, you lose uh, uh, TV income. So, so, you know, if we go down, we probably lose three quarters of a million as a club. You know, we have a turnover of uh, three million. So, so if, we, if we went out to League One, that's what it would cost us. If we went up, we'd probably get seven or eight million of extra income. So so you start there thinking, well, if I can if I can avoid going down for five hundred thousand, I'm two hundred and fifty thousand better off. And that's what kind of gets owners into the gamble because you you are like damned if you do and damned if you don't. So so but as an owner you've got to be responsible and say, look, I know I know them issues, but I'm not gonna, you know, some clubs have to go down, some clubs have to go up. We've got to manage we what we' what we can manage without uh, risking the business model. So so the owners have to be responsible, but but I mean the rules with EFL, and the way this has been handled, it has been shocking. You know, there is no for me it's shocking. The way they allowed people to take over clubs that, uh, you know, with benefit of hindsight they weren't fit and proper. But you know, even if you even if you looked at it before the event, you question whether they'd be the right people to run a club because, you know. Th- well, you, you, you saw what happened at Bolton when Ed, when Eddie Davis went. People people went in, and it's been a fiasco for, for three years. You've seen what happened at Bury. Uh, Stuart Day ran debts up thirteen or fourteen million or whatever it happens to be, selling car park spaces and stadium. And uh, you know these clubs can't sustain that level of debt. You know, so so there's almost inevitably going to be a going to be a problem comes down the line. And and I've said I've said to the EFL. Uh, you know, you, you, you have two choices really. You either allow unlimited debt and allow clubs to go bust or you control the debt and, and control the, 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 the amount that they're going to go bust for. That makes them easier to pick up. I mean, if Barry had gone bust for, or into CVA only owing 2 million quid, it wouldn't have gone bust. There'd been plenty of people to take it up at that price. But when it's 13 or 14 million, you know, all you've got is someone that's going to buy it for a quid and, uh, you know, and be happy if he gets anything back. His, 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 risk, his risk is a quid. You know, when you get when you get situation at Bolton, so you kind of you're getting clubs in a position where you're inviting these people in. You know, they're they're not there. They're not there for love at club. They're not there for love at uh, of the town and the community like I am uh, and like a lot of owners are. You know, they're there if they can make a, a living out of it and secure at club, then, then they're happy. I'm not saying they're bad people because in normal business, that's what you get. You run a business bad and you get administrators and you get people coming in, picking off the uh, carcass of a failed business. You know, that's what you get. So so we, we really need to define what a football club is. Is it just a business or is it a community asset? And, and make the rules fit what we think it's going to be. But if you want clubs to keep one bust, keep allowing them to get into keep, – keep allowing them to get into uh, – massive debt and then and then that'll happen. so and then you know, even even having done all that and said all that that the EFL are wrong, the actions at EFL since then, you know, since the problems have for me have been crazy. Why would you allow an administrator to to start a, a league in a team in League one? Because you can never be sure an administrator that the deal's going to be done. Uh, so so, the deal was done when the EFL put a deadline on it, I think it was twenty seventh or twenty eighth of uh, last month, then the deal got done. It, you do wonder if they'd have put that deadline on before season started, uh, whether the deal had got done. so so you're a team in Bolton, you know, and that's a fabulous club, but that's going to be a big club. like it is a big club, and it's it's like yourself. it's it's one of the really big clubs. Uh, but when you get them started season, owned by an administrator or managed by an administrator, and we're a load of kids. So, so, you know, EFL should be checking before the season starts. Can they can they complete the fixtures, can, both financially and physically? Uh, and if not, they should have held them back and, and and use that to put pressure on to get the deal done. You know, there were a lot of backwards and forwards in on that deal. Cool. Uh, so... so I think I think that we, we have a lesson to learn in the EFL. I think I think owners have a lesson to learn. I think I, th- I don't think anybody comes out of this with glory. I think what's happened at Bury is, uh, well, it, it's just a real tragedy and a real shame because, you know, I, I went and I when when we went down to uh, Bristol Robs at weekend. I went on our supporters club bus with uh, with supporters, obviously, because it were only twenty quid and it were hundred quid on train. So I thought I'll dive on with supporters. So so I'm all, I'm on supporters club coach and uh, they're laughing and joking. We set off at half past nine and get and get, gets back at midnight and they're laughing and joking and singing and talking about players they like and it, it's a day out to them guys. It's the weekend. It's it means so much to them. You know if it's not there, how do these guys get together? It's the reason for you know for the for the social outing. You know it's like it's like a Saturday outing and some of them stay overnight and take their wives and. It fits around the lifestyle, so so I think clubs are a lot more than just a business, uh, and I think we have to change the rules to make it uh, to make it so it's less likely that they're going to get completely destroyed. You know, they can get in trouble, but make it so that they're easy to rescue.
0: I think there's there's a a lot out there at the minute about the the need to recognise the social value of of football clubs, their community value and and what they what they bring to the life and, and soul of a place. Um, on our recent podcast with with Kieran Brady talking about our potential um, takeover, that was the the main takeaway I got from that was desire amongst fans and ex players that that clubs are looked after, that there's an, a stewardship model that that's um, at the forefront of the the. The mindsets of owners. I mean, you're you're somebody, Andy, who's who's rescued a football club. You know, you, you've been on the other side of this, of a, of a football club that that was was struggling, and you've come in and you put your own money into it, um, and now you've got influence over how that that club's run. And as you were talking to Graham last year about a lot of the the work you're doing to build the club up in the in the community. One of the other things that that's in the zeitgeist at, at the minute is player welfare and um, recognising the the responsibility that football clubs have increasingly for the the welfare, the mental health welfare of their players in particular. And you've had a situation the last couple of, of days where where um, you announced on on the website I think yesterday about um, the, the struggles that Billy Keys having at the minute. Um, I didn't want to necessarily go into Billy Keys' situation because it's obviously his own, his own personal, um, you know, his own personal situation. But what do you think about what clubs need to be doing in terms of looking after the the well being of their, especially the young kids coming through, but also older professionals as they as they move through their career in terms of their their mental health and, and other problems that they might have with addiction,
1: etc. I think, you know, I actually think that this is this is something that uh, uh, the FA, you know, I criticise FA and EFL because of the problems at clubs, uh, and uh, but I think this is something that w- whereby the FA, the EFL, it really ought to be commended, because you know the EFL uh, raised. Tons of money now for the Mayan charity, uh, they're, they're the offic- official uh, charity that the EFL represents, and and uh, you know there's a lot more awareness on all, on all these issues, and I think they're going in the right direction. So so uh, I think clubs have a have a responsibility. I think football has a responsibility, but but I don't think they're shirking it. I think I think there's a way to go, but I, I honestly think that, that they're on the uh, they're on the right path. I really do. You know I, I've sat in meetings. Uh, where, where mind have told us all about what they do, and uh, you know there are people to talk to. Now it, 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 they're difficult subjects because some people, uh, you know, are kind of still embarrassed about it. But but I mean it's less and less of a uh, stigma attached to it, right? so people are prepared to talk about it. You know, Billy's Billy's issues. not just started this season. You know, he, he's had he's had issues for a while. Uh, you know, and I, I class him as a friend, and I always will class him as a friend. Uh, and and if we can help him, we can help him. Uh, you know, we we've uh, you know we've had him in and had a look at what's what treatments he's having, and uh, you know we're, we're happy that he's getting the best treatment that's available. Uh, you know, so, so we're here for him and, and we'll do whatever we can for him as long you know. But the main thing is that he carries on with his treatment and carries on uh, getting the help. But I, I don't think you know I I, I do, I don't think the EFL and uh, and FA are doing so bad on this. You know, it's not it's not that long ago. It would never have been mentioned. You know, it's uh, uh, it'd have been swept under the carpet and nobody would have said anything. And now now it's you know, these these issues are at the forefront. So so I think they're better at that than they are at running football.
0: Uh, that's that's really interesting. I mean, we had um Jeff uh, Whitley, our ex uh, midfielder, um actually was speaking to Graham on a recent podcast about some of the troubles he's had with his mental health, with um addiction problems and how he now is working um with the, the PFA um, and and going out and and speaking to professionals as uh, speaking to young players and, and he's actually a counselor himself and um that I think has has sparked a, a conversation amongst amongst fans about um addiction, about um mental health problems and about how men, you know, especially men in their, their 20s and 30s, which your employees as, 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 as you know, a football club chairman, um, how suicide and, and mental health problems are such a, a massive issue and that, that they're talking about it and that they're breaking down that stigma is, is the, the main thing. It's, it's what's going to help to overcome this, this problem. Um, so I think it's it's really interesting that you see it as as the FA and the EFL are actually leading on this and maybe this is where again we can we demonstrate the, the wider social impact, the wider social benefit of having a, a football club in your community that's well run and and that looks beyond it, you know, beyond the pitch in terms of, of the the impact and, and influence that it has on on society.
1: Um. I mean, depressions and, and these issues don't just target football. It, it knows no barriers, so so it does affect fans. It affects everybody the world over, you know. And, and there's different types of depression, and there's also periods when uh, people should naturally feel down, you know, with bereavements and all sorts of things. And it, it's trying to get that uh, that balance. I mean, you, you the fans are. Uh, as equally affected as footballers is is what i'd say so so you know as a society we need to we need to uh, accept that and find ways of uh, managing it better
0: well one thing that certainly brings uh, football fans joy is is going to games and 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 the the camaraderie and the, and the the kind of the friendships that you can make on on the terraces um and so bringing it slightly back to football a bit and looking forward to um, the weekend. Um, we touched on your your form as starting to pick up. Um, who do you, out of your your current squad, who who should I, I be looking out for as, as a potential danger man on on Saturday? I
1: mean, we've we've, we've, we've a number of players that uh, that that'd be wary of. We've got uh, Jordan Clark that's on fire. Callum Johnson. We've got uh, Sam Finley. You know, I'll be honest. We've got we've got obviously Mark Hughes. Uh, it, it, it goes on. You know, we've we've a few options up front. We've just got Colby Bishop from non league. Some Finley feeling were from non league uh, uh, a year or so ago. Uh, we've got Colby Bishop from non league, and and you know, uh, we, and that's a good thing, by the way, because I like that progression where they can come to us. Do well and move forward, but but we have we have some uh, really decent uh, really decent players. I, I think we've got the best squad ever, uh, and, and hopefully we can we can show it when we play. Obviously we still, we've got we Sean McConnell that's a you know, he's always up there in goals and assists year in year out, whatever league we're in. Uh, so so uh, but we've got a couple of news as well. You know that, that you know like uh, Joe Pritchard that we got from Bolton. Uh, He's on fire. It's uh, you know you big Ross. I but we got we got it. We've got a, we've got a, a fabulous squad. Aren't I? I mean, I, I'm obviously every year till till you start getting the squad together for us where we lose a lot of players. You know you you, you start thinking so well where where it wins going to come from and what's the squad going to be like because it does take us a while to rebuild it every year uh, because we can't just go out and buy what we want. Uh, but it but it's uh, you know. It, I I'm 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 really excited. Uh, so so you know you listen you're a great club but but obviously you I'm sure you'll take us seriously as you've done every time for the last uh, five or six times we've played each other. So I, th- so,
0: I uh, think I think you've um certainly earned our respect as a, as a, for for your own field play during that 2-2 um draw back in, in February at the stadium. I mean, the first half, you you were you were 2-0 up. And and we were very, very worried at that point. And we had to play, I think, possibly the one of the best halves of football we played last last year just to to grab a two two draw off you. Um
1: I so- mean it were on T V and people were telling me that the uh, best match you've watched in ages. So
0: it was fantastic i think even my wife was watching it with me and she was enjoying it by the end of it and she she couldn't give two hoots about football so yeah it, it certainly was a good advert for league 1 football now I, I really hope that the match on saturday um, lives up to that standard and 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 that we're thoroughly thoroughly entertained by by both the teams um i think we'll be taking quite a few down there um my dad bought his ticket yesterday so he'll be joining us um and I think this is, is it's a big game for, for both the teams because I think it might help um you know it help to define where we might both end up in the season. Um so have you have you got a score prediction uh for tomorrow? What do you think it's uh, gonna be? For
1: for, for weekend now I'm saying two one to
0: us. Two one for you. Yeah, it's not tomorrow, is it? Two one for you. Well I I, th- I think I think I'm gonna go uh, with two one for us, actually, uh, we haven't been keeping too many clean sheets, um, and I I I always fancy you used to score. You always look dangerous, uh, but you know you've got to you got to um, be confident for your own team. And I think I'm going to go for the the one as well, Andy.
1: I mean, for me, I, I want to see a fantastic game. I want to see two two teams playing honestly and fairly uh, against each other, giving it all they've got. I want I want uh, all you guys, you know, the 2,000, the 2,500 that come down to have a great day out and uh, a little bit right price, and what we'll do is very best to look after you. I'll be knocking about in your crowd, aren't you? Great. Well. Uh, talking, to, talking to anybody that wants to talk to me. is, uh, I mean, one of your fans, Andrew Flatman, actually did the base for our stand. He's a concrete guy. Uh, he's just done our community trust uh, New building, floors in the new building concrete in and he, he were here when it when it lashed it down, uh, bless him. And he, he had one of these wax coats on and uh, he came at bar at the end of it, took took his uh took his coat off and you needed a fork truck to pick his coat up at the end <laughs> of it, it was that wet. So, you know, we have got some uh, you know, our lawyers are from Sunderland, we've got some we've got some uh, real good ties locally with we guys from Sunderland. It's always a fantastic you know, it'd be a fantastic day. Well, Just whatever the result, uh, I'm 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 really excited.
0: Well, I, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. My little lad is is very excited about the prospect of coming and standing on some on some terracing, because uh, he's heard lots of stories from me from Roker Park in the past. So, um, he's looking forward to that and really hope it's it's going to be a really good game. So, I think we're gonna have to leave it there, Andy. Thanks again for putting up with all the technical issues in setting this up. And I'll be, uh, I'll be on the terraces uh, on Saturday afternoon.
1: All right. Good luck, and uh, Have safe, safe travelling down and back home. All right.
0: Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, Andy.
1: Tada.
0: All right. Thanks.